It's Window Nation's semi-annual sale, and it's a big deal. Right now, get 50% off all windows along with no interest for five years plus bonus savings when you schedule a consult today. If your windows leak, get foggy or hot, or you're paying high utility bills, that's a big deal. With Window Nation's semi-annual sale, you can replace your windows and save a big deal, too. Schedule a no-obligation in-home estimate now. Call 866-90-NATION or visit windownation.com. At Alma, we know the connection between you and your therapist matters. But if you're already feeling stressed and burnt out, the idea of trying to find a therapist you really connect with can be overwhelming. That's why Alma's focused on helping you find the right therapist for you. When you browse their online directory, you can filter by the qualities that are most important to you. Then book free 15-minute consultations with any therapist you're interested in seeing. And because 95% of therapists at Alma accept insurance, you can find care that's affordable too. You want to talk to someone, but not just anyone. Alma is there to help you find the right fit. Visit helloalma.com slash therapy30 to schedule a free consultation today. That's helloalma.com slash therapy30. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. Episode 5 of This Week in Fantasy, and it is a special edition episode, and we're going to get right into it. It is a DFS Week 1 preview. I wanted to separate the DFS from the season-long pod, at least for Week 1, because I know a lot of people don't play DFS, so I don't want to clog it up for people who don't. And for the people who do, they can just tune in for this, because we have a special guest to come in and preview Week 1. Couldn't have asked for a better guest. Mr. J.J. Zacharyson is going to be here to talk some DFS with us, so let's jump right into it. Let's not belabor the point. And it's time to welcome in our special guest for this week's pod. We are going to be talking DFS with the man himself. You can read his work at Numberfire. He is the editor-in-chief as well as the author of the Late Round Quarterback and, of course, the Living the Stream podcast, which you can follow on Twitter at LiveTheStreamFF. Uh, and, of course, you can follow him on Twitter, at LateRoundQB. It's Mr. JJ Zacharyson. What's going on, brother? Not too much. Thanks for having me on, man. Oh, it's my pleasure. Very excited. We've uh, we've done a lot of season-long uh, stuff on this pod, so it's, uh, it's exciting to get a chance to finally dive into some of this DFS stuff now that we have all the pricing and all that. Um, so I want to jump in and start for kind of the newer DFS players who are listening to the pod who, who don't necessarily know how to approach it. Uh, can you just give a general kind of breakdown on, on how you approach DFS and, and the difference between the GPPs, the general prize pools, and the cash games? And, you know, for the newer people coming in, kind of how you would go about approaching it? Yeah, so you know, in, in a cash game, you're looking at just beating half of the field, whether it's a head-to-head or a 50-50. A 50-50, you're going to be in, with a group of maybe 100 people, let's say, and you have to beat 50, 50 of them, so half of them. Whereas uh, you know, in, in a GPP or in a tournament, you're, you're needing to uh, beat a lot more people and, and finish in a higher percentage bracket, if you will, in a higher percentile. So what that means is, from a very high level, 
is that you just have to be pretty good in a cash game in order to, to, to make some money and to profit, whereas you need to be really, really good in a GPP if you're trying to win, which means you kind of have to embrace volatility if you're looking uh, to, to win a GPP. And what I mean by that is you know, certain positions like the running back position or the quarterback position, the quarterback spe- position specifically, um, they're, they're a little bit more predictable week to week than what we see from uh, the wide receiver or the tight end position. So in a cash game, you might be more willing to spend on someone like Aaron Rodgers to just get guaranteed points. Whereas in a GPP, you might want to spend down a little bit and get guys who are a little bit more volatile week to week. And then on top of that, with a GPP, you have to think about ownership percentages. So uh, in a cash game, you can generally get away with just playing uh, guys who are very popular each week, uh, guys who a lot of teams are going to roster. But in a GPP, uh, you're going to look for guys who maybe a, a lot of people aren't targeting because if that player ends up going off and has a great game, then you're the one benefiting from that most. So if you have a lineup that looks like any other lineup uh, in that specific tournament, you're probably not going to win. Uh, so that's really the, the different mindset you need to have when approaching those two types of games. That is a, a perfect breakdown. And, and also for people who haven't played much, if you're interested in that ownership percentage type of stuff, which is crucial for the GPP. GPPs, uh, you can get a general idea after those Thursday tournaments. You get a general idea of some of the Sunday people uh, who are being involved, uh, you know, who are higher ownership uh, if you're just going to play Sunday. So that, that's a little bit of a, a tip that you can look at as well. Um, but speaking of heading into week one, and we're going to look at some specific positions and some values and whatnot, but just looking at week one, because it is such a, a different week in terms of the amount of data that you have to go off of, are there any tricks or tips that you like to look for specifically when you, you know, week one, week two, when there's less data to mine? Yeah, I mean, I, I think that obviously in, in it, from a cash game perspective, you're going to want to play guys who we have a lot of data on, uh, veterans in the league, guys who, are, who, who we know can produce. You're going to target offenses that have quarterbacks and we know are very good, whether it's Green Bay or whether you're looking at a, a game like the Indianapolis-Detroit game uh, where, where you have two quarterbacks that at least can give uh, your wide receivers or even the quarterbacks themselves a pretty high floor. Um, and then really what you want to do in these tournaments is you want to look at the ambiguity surrounding uh, certain teams, whether it's uh, in Philly with Carson Wentz, who, you know, I wouldn't be targeting the Philly offense per se, but I, I think that, you know, you can you can embrace that ambiguity and think, hey, a lot of people aren't going to be as into this offense because we have no idea what the heck this offense is going to look like. So therefore, maybe I'm going to target a guy like Ryan Matthews against a front seven that's pretty bad. And a lot of people won't be on Ryan Matthews because there's a lot of good running back options this week. So it's really looking at, at it from that perspective. And then obviously Vegas should be your friend. Uh, you know, Vegas is out there setting lines and, and showing us what they expect and what the public expects uh, certain games, how they should go. Because game script is a really, really important piece to all of this. And, and by game script, it's just how these games should be playing out. So, for instance, if you look at the, 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 the Packers-Jaguars game this week, the Packers are fairly good favorites on the road. You know they're going to be ahead early, which means the, the, the Jaguars are going to be playing from behind, which means there's probably going to be some volume in that passing game, which means Allen Robinson, despite the fact that the Green Bay secondary isn't that bad, Allen Robinson is, is obviously a decent play. Not only that, but if you look at the running backs in the Jaguars' backfield, you have a guy like Chris Ivory who will play early downs uh, and, play, and get the goal line work. But if that team is trailing, TJ Yeldon's going to be on the field more. So in this particular game, it's going gonna, it's gonna to be smarter to probably target a guy like TJ Yeldon rather than Chris Ivory. So you can 
kind of embrace all of those different aspects uh, of what Vegas is saying, the ambiguity side if you want to look at GPPs, and then just go for safer plays uh, in, in those cash games, and you can really come out on top. See, that's why JJ was the be- is the best, because my next question was about the Vegas lines and how you interpret that stuff and use it, so I don't even need to ask it. So thank you for that, JJ. <laughs> all right, let's jump into some specifics, because that's what everyone wants here. We're going to focus on FanDuel pricing, uh, because that's what I enjoy playing, and and JJ works for NumberFire, and NumberFire is a FanDuel company as well. So we are leaning that way. But a lot of the stuff that we say can be translated between both. A lot of the values are similar. So uh, let's focus on those FanDuel pricing, and really let's go by position and start at quarterback, JJ. This week, one slate, uh, and you mentioned you know the Carson Wentz perfect uh, little thing there as we are a Philadelphia podcast. But um, outside of Wentz, obviously, that's a, a low-end guy you're really not looking at. Who are some of those values on the board who you think, uh, whether it be for GPP or cash games, could help a quarterback this week? Yeah, so, you know, I mentioned the ambiguity piece as a, more of a GPP thing, but I do think that you you have to look at what a, a player's potential upside actually is in order to uh, throw him in a GPP or throw him in a cash game lineup. And so I look at a guy like Dak Prescott, and while we don't know exactly what he's going to look like uh, in a real regular season game, I think he's actually more of a cash game option then he has a GPP option because I don't, you know, his ceiling probably isn't there given what we know the Cowboys want to do, and that's run the football. So while Dak, uh, you know, might not have the ceiling though, he should provide you a decent floor given his price point. He's min priced. He's at five thousand dollars, which is the same as Carson Wentz. I would, I would definitely favor Dak over Wentz. Uh, specifically just because of the reps he got, the way he looked in the preseason, the team that surrounds him, the offensive line. Uh, and and even, though, even though Wentz has a better matchup, I think Dak would be the, the, the lower-priced guy that you would want to target uh, in terms of, of your cash, games, cash game lineups. And then really, you know, from there, if you just kind of move up a tier or two uh, in pricing, I think that there's uh, plenty of guys that, that you can target that are both going to be good, uh, both good cash game and GPP lineups, whether it's uh, Kirk Cousins at 7,800 against a, a bad Pittsburgh secondary. Um, and not only that, but Cousins is a great red zone uh, quarterback. Um, you know, he, he has plenty of weapons there. They have a, some running back questions where uh, they might not rely on that running back position close to the end zone and really touchdowns drive uh, all of this. If, if you have a quarterback that's throwing passing touchdowns, um, that, that's, that's the number one thing that correlates most to fantasy success, which is not a surprise. Uh, so a guy like Kirk Cousins makes a lot of sense this week. A guy like Derek Carr makes a lot of sense this week. I'm not even upset if you were to use a Jameis Winston or a Matt Ryan this week uh, in in that dome in Atlanta. Um, so those are kind of the, 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 the that's kind of the tier that I would target most if you're not if you're not spending down on Dak Prescott. All right, let's move on to running back, and uh, I'm going to ask you for some values, but I also want a, a quick like you look at a guy like Spencer Ware at 5400, and and if Jamal Charles is out of the lineup, how do you weigh that? Because I feel like that's a guy who's going to be you know. 40% something insane ownership wise because obviously a starting running back a, a solid one at that price in a good rushing offense is is such a value how do you kind of weigh a the guys you know obviously the values that you're looking at but also how do you weigh those values especially at running back uh, versus the potential ownership percentage in a situation like that. Yeah, you know, I think there's some guys, you know, it, it, from a cash game perspective, just use Spencer Ware if Jamal Charles is out and don't worry about ownership. Just just use them, get the guaranteed points for such a good price and you're, and you're good to go. But from a tournament perspective, there's definitely a game theory angle here and that's, okay, 
you know, we're, we're not controlling everything that happens. There's an off chance that Spencer Ware does not perform this week, despite the fact that everything is in his favor, uh, or if he gets hurt or something of that, uh, something like that. If that were to happen, you know, if the ownership is 40%, then all of a sudden 40% of teams are now out of it in terms of winning that GPP. So a, a way that you can really tackle this is to look at where Spencer Ware is priced. So he's $5,400 and look up a little bit at other players who are priced around that sa- in that same range. And I think one guy that you could look for if you wanted to pivot off of Spencer Ware, there's no one that's exactly $5,400, but I don't mind Rashad Jennings at $6,000 against, against Dallas in a GPP. And the reason for that is there's no more Andre Williams. Rashad Jennings had 10 ca- only, only 10 carries from within his opponent's 10-yard line last year, which was a really bad number for, for a lead back. Andre Williams had eight. Uh, so there, and there was a report today that said that the Giants were going to give Rashad Jennings the ball more in the red zone, actually. Uh, so that's 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 positive for a guy like Jennings, who was really, really efficient last season, uh, really underrated last season, according to number fire metrics, and is in a pretty favorable matchup against Dallas. So that's kind of the way that you should look at it is from a price point standpoint, because, you know, if someone's saying, hey, I'm going to spend six thousand dollars on Rashad Jennings. Oh, wait, I can spend fifty four hundred dollars on Spencer Ware then if you were to just stay on Rashad Jennings, you know that you're going to get lower ownership. I love that play right there. All right, let's move on to wide receiver. And wide receiver is tough. First of all, in Fanduel, you start three instead of the two at running back. But also, it really does look like there's a lot of value this week at running at wide receiver and the the seven to eight, really in the six to eight thousand range. A lot of names who you'll see, you know, starting in a lot of season longs. If you want to kind of make that comparison for the newbies. How do you kind of parse through this? You know, Jarvis Landry at 6,600, Macklin at 6,800, T.Y. at 6,800. It seems like they're just values upon values. How do you kind of sort through the mess here? Yeah, I think the you know, you obviously want to associate your wide receivers with good quarterback play and games that, that should see a lot of passing, a lot of scoring, as you should do with, with any position, really. But um, I think the one thing that you notice with wide receivers is that with running backs, you kind of have a clear picture going into a season as to who the starting running back is in the particular offense. But wide receivers, since targets are just dispersed very often, you don't exactly know who these top targets are going to be. I think a perfect example, because obviously these salaries were set at the beginning of August and a lot can change in a month. I think the perfect example of this is Marvin Jones. He's $5,500 in a game that's going to be a shootout or more than likely a shootout between Indianapolis and Detroit. And over the last month, Marvin Jones not only has his average draft position rose all the way to where Golden Tate's being drafted, but there's a lot of reports and there's a lot of reason to believe that Marvin Jones is the number one wide receiver in this Detroit offense. So I think from Marvin Jones, from from if, if you want a, a cheaper guy to throw into your cash game lineups, Marvin Jones is the perfect guy at $5,500 to throw in there. And then, you know, you mentioned T.Y. Hilton in that same game. I like him a lot, but I also like his teammate in Dante Moncrief, this, uh, not only this season, uh, but in this game uh, in particular, where if you have someone like Darius Slay on the opposite side uh, shadowing potentially T.Y. Hilton, uh, that's going to open things up for Moncrief tremendously. Even if he doesn't shadow T.Y. Hilton, there's offensive line issues in Indianapolis uh, which means that they're not going to, to to hold luck back there for T.Y. Hilton to get, get open downfield, which means Moncrief is going to probably play more of that security blanket role. I think Moncrief and both Moncrief and Marvin Jones are two of the best options you can possibly find in DFS this weekend. I love Dante Moncrief. He's probably my most owned player in my season-long yeah, team, so I'm with you there. All right, tight end, uh, I, you know, obviously it's Gronk and everybody else, and, and this week actually Jordan Reed kind of in between. 
But how do you kind of decide if you want to take that plunge with the high-priced tight end or if you're looking for a value there? Is, it, is there a general rule or is it really a week-by-week thing? I think it's it's normally a week by week thing. Uh, generally speaking, I don't like targeting the mid range tight ends just because a lot of times all you need is a touchdown from the tight end position for them to meet that value of those mid range tight ends. So you're kind of wasting money and using uh, a guy like maybe Julius Thomas or or Gary Barnage or someone in in that range. Um, so it's really a go big or go home kind of strategy. So obviously a guy like Gronk is in play each and every week, especially in in, in a week uh, where there there's so many values on the board. With guys that we've already talked about, with Spencer Ware, Marvin Jones, Dante Moncrief, uh, you can you can fit in a, a high-priced tight end very easily, like a Jordan Reed who has a good matchup against Pittsburgh. Uh, but oftentimes, if I want to punt the position, which I which I would do, um, there there are still guys down on that list where uh, you know you're just hoping and praying that they score a touchdown because it's all you really need for them to hit value. So a guy like Jesse James, for instance, in the Steelers' offense, where uh, Ladarius Green is out, there's no one behind Jesse James, uh, a real athletic pass catcher that's going to take his spot. And if you look at the Steelers' offense. All the wide receivers are five foot eleven or shorter, and Jesse James is this huge six foot seven tight end in the middle of the field. Uh, and given the fact that Vegas and, and and anyone really analyzing this game thinks that the Steelers will score a lot of points this week, I think Jesse James could be one guy who benefits most and ends up scoring a touchdown. And, and you're getting that touchdown at a minimum price at tight end. Speaking of punting positions, let's finish out with defense and kicker. And and I'll go more macro here, but. Um, personally, when I, when I usually put a kicker in my lineup, it's how much money do I have left? Who can I fit in? Uh, a, you know, is there any sort of science whatsoever to picking kickers, you know, whether it be looking at that, uh, a dome versus outside or the opponent. And then with defenses, is it as simple as just finding the best matchup for the cheapest price? Yeah, and you know, it's kind of interesting because you can go through the same process with both kickers and defenses to target the best ones. So kickers, for instance, what you're going to want to look for is teams that are going to score a lot of points but also have the lead. So if you want to look at Green Bay again, I mentioned them earlier, how they have, uh, how they're, they're fairly heavy favorites. Uh, they should score a lot of points. A guy like Mason Crosby makes a ton of sense this week just because once they're ahead, they're not going to need to force the ball and, and continue to be super aggressive and they can kick some field goals. And then from a defensive standpoint, you're looking at matchup number one, but you need a, a couple of other things to be in your favor as well. You want them to also be favorites. So I'm looking at the Eagles this week, for instance, against the Browns. Uh, very, very heavy favorites uh, or, or pretty heavy favorites against Cleveland. Um, they're at home, which is always big for defenses. And in when you get the opposing offense in a negative game script, this is why uh, having a favorite is so important. That's when they start to get sacked, and that's when they start to throw those turnovers and and, can, and and make those turnovers, which is what you need in fantasy football. It's less about how many points these teams are scoring and more about the turnovers and the amount of sacks that these defenses can accumulate. And that's why I think a, a defense like Philadelphia is perfect this weekend in both DFS and season-long leagues. Awesome, awesome stuff. You can follow them on Twitter again at at late round QB. And again, check him out at number fire. Uh, he's the editor in chief there again, JJ Zacharyson. Awesome. Awesome stuff from JJ. That was great. I'm going to be back with a season long week one podcast uh, with Sigmund Bloom, either Friday or Saturday, one of the two days. Still putting the finishing touches on it and uh, an update on the fantasy league and all that as well. Again, good luck with DFS this week. Always a chance to take advantage of, of week one, week two, week three, before those algorithms really catch up to some of the situations. So 
So definitely get involved now, get a feel for it, and uh, go out and try and win some money. And uh, I'll be back with episode six of This Week in Fantasy, as I said, the next day or two, to talk a little week one action. Until then, enjoy the fact that we have real football back to watching games that matter and count. So I will talk to you guys in the next couple days, and uh, enjoy that Panthers-Broncos game. Should be fun. I'm taking the Panthers in that one on the record. All right, guys, talk to you soon. Bucka, 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 bucka. You know the deal. This is me, though. Beast by Supremo for all of my people, Negroes and Latinos, and even the Gringos. Yo, check it. One for Charlie Hustle, two for Steady Rock, three for the four coming live future shot. It's five dimensions, six senses, seven from a mental.